Well, good morning, everybody. Man, isn't the presence of the Lord wonderful just to come to be together? So good to see you all on this uh, Memorial Day weekend, and glad you didn't go camping and uh, that you're here today, but it's just really good to be with everybody and good to see you all, and man, God's presence is just really, really awesome. Great worship. Thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord today. Amen. Well, I want to talk today about taking our spiritual temperature. Do you know what your spiritual temperature is? I want to talk about this today. Obviously, this is kind of a big deal right now in the earth, all over the world, in airports and in businesses, and even here in our very own church. We're taking the temperature of the children in the second service. We take their temperature before they can go downstairs. And all of this is an attempt to just kind of a safeguard against the spread of this, this coronavirus. And I was thinking as I, you know, over the last few weeks, that this has kind of been in my spirit and a little bit kind of going back and forth and kind of hit me pretty strong this week. And I was just thinking about this idea of, as important as it is to take our physical temperature, and especially in times like this, and for good reason, it is even more important to be aware of our spiritual temperature. And this temperature is not something you can read from the forehead. It's something that you read from the heart. This is a heart thing. And so today I want to talk about this idea. There's two verses of Scripture that I want us to look at. You can open your Bibles there to Romans 12 or Revelation chapter 3, but I'm actually just going to, the Scripture should come up on the screen. In Romans chapter 12, verse 11, this is what Paul says. He says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Look at those words. Let them just rest in you. Paul is talking to the Christian church at the time, and he's basically saying to them, let's not be lagging in our diligence. Let's not be slothful. Let's be proactive. Let's, be, let's stay in the game. Let's be all in. Let's, let's give it our all. Be fervent in your spirit. Serving the Lord. Right? You can nod at me or say amen or something out there. That's what that don't lag, don't be slothful, don't be lazy. Be fervent. Serve the Lord. That's what, that's what we do. That's what Christians do. Amen. Then, Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, these are the words of Jesus. He said, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm... <clears throat> you're not cold and you're not hot. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. He wrote that to a church. People like you and me, by the way. Amen. Smile at me out there. Those are the words of Jesus. Paul's on the one hand saying, Church, let's be fervent in our spirit. And then Jesus later says to the church in another place, You're not hot. You're not cold, but you're lukewarm. And so I want to talk about this idea of our spiritual temperature today. So Father, I just pray that your presence would be with me right now, Lord, that you would give me the grace to be able to share this word, that I would clearly convey what I believe is in your heart, Lord. And, and I just pray for every one of us, God, that Lord, that a fire would begin to be stirred in our spirit for you, God. That you would set our hearts on fire. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says amen. So going back to that Roman scripture, Romans 12, 11, where Paul said be fervent in spirit. The word literally, the word fervent means to be, to boil with heat. That's what it literally means. It carries the idea of being zealous, being passionate, being persistent in your conviction toward a thing. 
So when Paul was saying, be fervent in spirit, he was like saying, let's keep our zeal. Let's keep our passion for the Lord. And in the context of what he's saying there, he's exhorting believers that I want you to be all in. God wants us to be all in in this thing that we would give ourselves completely in devotion to Jesus, the person of Christ and the work of Christ. Let's be boiling hot for Jesus. That's another way to say that. Paul wrote these words about 30 years after the day of Pentecost. And you guys remember what happened on the day of Pentecost, which will be celebrated next week. Uh, that, will be the, that will actually be the day that Pentecost would have happened on. Uh, and 30 years prior to these words that Paul is writing to the <clears throat> Roman Christians, we all know what happened on that day. Those original believers, 120 born-again believers that day, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible said fire came down from heaven, entered the room, separated, and came to set upon each and every one of them. Every one of them received fire power from heaven. And it was not just a picture of God coming in and cleansing and purifying because fire can represent a cleansing and a, and a purifying process, but it was also a picture of the power of God coming into the lives of those believers, those original believers. And they literally had the fire of God in their spirit. And they went out and not only did they have this passion and this zeal for Jesus, but they, they rocked their world. Amen? And so... Paul is saying to these believers now, 30 years later, let's keep that fire. Let's keep that fervency. Let's serve the Lord with a boiling hot intensity and zeal. Let's not lose that. And so this is really important because I think the fact that Paul wrote these letters is an indicator that we often find ourselves not so full of desire and passion and zeal for the Lord. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, can I get a good amen out there? One of the things that's so discouraging to me in my life is that I fluctuate, my temperature fluctuates from high to low. Sometimes I'm hot for Jesus and sometimes I'm not. Amen. Sometimes I have that zeal, and sometimes I have that passion, and I'm ready to go, and then I find myself just, you know, where my, that, my passion is waxed cold. I'm not, I'm not as on fire as I used to be. I don't have the zeal that I once had, and I'm, I go through the motions. I come to church. I sing the songs. I stay with the game. I show up to work. I do what I know to do. I keep doing what I'm doing that I, what I know to do, but I don't have that zeal, that passion sometimes. And it's discouraging, and it's frustrating, and I, and I, you know, and in my personality, I can take it serious, I can take myself too serious, and I can really get down on myself, talk about shame, and talk about guilt, and start guilting myself, and shaming myself. I woke up at three this morning, and you know, my thoughts for the next hour were all the things that were wrong in my life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you beat yourself up, you come out of a sleep, you can't sleep, and all you can think about, you can't get back to sleep, you try to pray, but all you can think about is how messed up you are. How screwed up you are. That's shame, that's guilt. That's why God brought that word through John. Because God was like slapping me around a little bit. Amen. But what about you today? What's your temperature? I want to talk about this today. The first part of this message I want to talk about is I want us to take a few moments and check our temperature. Let's check our temperature. And the way that we're going to do this is we're going to, I want us to look back at that scripture or just keep those thoughts in mind. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, he said, I know your works. And he said, I know you're not hot. I know you're not cold, but you're lukewarm. Now, I know that in the context of what Jesus was saying, he was basically saying, stop waffling, stop being indecisive in your walk with me as my people. Be, either, be, be one way or the other, but don't be in the middle. Don't be caught in a lukewarm kind of indifferent place in your life. Be all in or be all out, but be something other than this kind of lukewarm where you're playing a game 
where you're going through the motions. You carry the name of being mine. You're showing up to the church. I know your works. I know your works, but you're not hot. You're not cold. You're in the middle. Amen? And Jesus said, I would rather you be one or the other, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And so Jesus is the one who checks our temperature. Amen? He's the one, who, he's the one that knows where we are at. And, he, and, and these three different degrees of temperature that Jesus give us, gives us, I think we can all in some way maybe see where we are in in these three degrees. Imagine a barometer up against your life. Cold, lukewarm, hot, hot, lukewarm, or cold. And let's find out where we're at. The first one that Jesus talks about is hot. And if you're a person that is hot, you are a person that is on fire for God. How many many want to be on fire for God? Now listen, let me just say something about being hot for God, being on fire for God. Just because you are on fire for God doesn't mean you don't have problems. It means you have a power that will energize you to go through those problems. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have nights when you wake up at 3 in the morning and it irritates you. But you can still be on fire for God. Amen. I'm talking about the kind of hot, I'm talking about the kind of burning, I'm talking about the kind of fire that those original disciples felt the day that Jesus was resurrected and he came alongside of them and he walked down the road with them and then when he went away from them, they turned to one another and said, did not our hearts burn within us as he walked with us along the side of the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. And it's that kind of fire, that kind of heat that I'm talking about. Where you have something in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Where you're devoted to the Lord. Where you are connected to the Lord. Where you're, you're, you're tied to Jesus and you're passionate about the Lord. And you're in his presence. That kind of fire. And let me tell you something. You and I cannot be on fire for Jesus or with Jesus without Jesus. Jesus has got to be the center of our lives. He's got to be the center of every day that we live. He needs to be the priority of our life. We need to discipline our lives to the point where we make sure that Jesus is a part of every day that we live. Amen. Come on, amen. We can't put Jesus, we cannot relegate him to Sunday morning and expect to be on fire for him all week long. Amen. We need to walk with him. And it's in walking with Him. And it's in spending time in His Word. And spending time in prayer with the Lord. And and being in relationship with Him. And being in relationship with one another. Because we are the body of Christ. And when we connect together. When we come together and connect to one another. We are literally connecting to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, you look like Jesus to me. Go ahead and tell them that. They're not Jesus, but you know what I mean. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 49, he said, I came to send fire on the earth, and oh, how I wish it were already kindled. He said, I want the world to be on fire in me and with me. And if this is going to, this is not only, this, this is not only his promise to us, but this must be, become our priority to be a people on fire. Amen. So that we can fulfill his purpose. Then he talked about being hot for Jesus. Anybody here want to be hot for Jesus? And then he talked about being lukewarm. And a lukewarm person, I think, is a person who's drifting from God. You're not hot, you're not cold, but you're somewhere in between. And it's that in-between place where you're drifting from your passion and your enthusiasm in the Lord. This is what the Hebrew writer was warning of in Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 1, he says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. He's writing to Christians. Don't allow yourselves to drift away 
Don't get caught up in a drift where you're not on fire for God. You maybe say, well, I'm not cold. I'm not, I'm not all the way cold. I'm, but I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of going through something. I just need to go through this phase. No, he says, we need to give the more earnest heed. Let's catch ourselves from drifting into obscurity and drifting away from the things of God and allowing ourselves to become grow further and further from the Lord. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about your walk with God. He said, how shall we escape? He says in verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect this great salvation that we have in Jesus Christ? If we don't realize who we fully are and embrace that and walk in that and live in that every day of our lives, how are we going to escape the confusion and the frustration and the difficulties of life? We need Him. We can't make it without Him. Amen. I need to calm down up here. Let me tell you something about becoming lukewarm. It's not a sudden departure. It's a slow, steady slipping away. It's closing the book here, dropping out of church there, pulling away from ministry in this way, not making myself accountable to my brothers and sisters. Living in isolation, a little here, a little there, and slowly you drift into obscurity. That's lukewarm. That's being lukewarm. And we see this actually literally in the Bible. We see this with an individual by the name of Demas. Paul wrote about Demas in the book of Philemon, and he said there, he said, Demas is a fellow laborer in the gospel. The next time Paul writes about Demas, it's in the book of Colossians. This is a few years later. And he lists off about seven or eight people right before he talks about Demas. And every one of the persons that he names in Colossians chapter 4, he has some positive thing to say about them. But at the very end, he just says, and Demas greets you. And then... Many years later, he's writing in the book of Timothy, chapter 4, the second book, the last part of Paul's life, and he says, Come to me quickly, for Demas has deserted me for love of this present world. Do you see the process that happens? You start out, you're on fire for the Lord, you're in the work of God, you're showing up, you're being there, you're being a part, and then later on, you're just kind of there. And then before you know it, there's desertion, there's disappearance, there's isolation, there's going up. It doesn't, you don't just wake up overnight and you're lukewarm. Lukewarm is something you slowly begin to slip and fade into. Little here and a little there, a little more and a little more. And you're gone. Sounds like what Jesus talked about when he said some seed fell among thorns and it grew up but the problems of the world and the pleasures of the world choked out that seed and robbed it of its fruitfulness that's lukewarm amen are we all okay out there i'm just bringing you the word i felt like i was supposed to bring katie said it was okay she walked past my, I walked past her office, you got your word, I got it, but I, she said, don't worry about it. I said, I got it, but, you know, the big butt. Well, there is a third temperature reading that is possible, and that's the cold. And this is where you become completely indifferent to God. On fire for God, drifting from God from God or completely indifferent. Jesus said in Matthew 24:12, he said and because of lawlessness and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We live in a very lawless world. The condition of our world is far from God. Can I tell you it's cold out there. Amen. 
It's like Butte most of the year. It's cold out there. It's cold out there in the world. Amen. And if we're not careful, because of lawlessness and because of the coldness and the indifference of the world in which we live, if, we're no, if we don't keep the fire burning, so to speak, that coldness can, get, it can envelop us, become a part of our life to where we, where we don't look so much that different. You know, we, we're, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not talking about your security in Christ. I'm just talking about our activity and our walk and our fervency and our de- devotion and dedication to Jesus. We can become cold in our spirit. And indifferent to the Lord where you can't feel. And you know, <clears throat> there's fevers, which is an indication of a virus or something going on in your body. But there's also the opposite end of that spectrum where your temperature can drop and you can, you can find yourself in the danger zone of hypothermia. And this is exactly what the enemy wants to do in our lives. He wants to get us to a, a, into a kind of spiritual hypothermic state where we don't feel where our breathing slows down, where we, we're losing our senses, we can't hear, we're, we're, not, we're not really, we're, we may be alive, but we're kind of out of it. That's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to get us into that place where we're cold and indifferent to God, where God will speak, but we're not listening. God will bring a word, but we're not hearing it. And the Lord might prick our hearts, but we suppress it. He's dealing with us about issues, but we don't want to hear it. Amen. This indifference is a work of the enemy in our life, the lawlessness of the age. This is what the enemy wants to do, and this is why James would say things like, submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee, but key is, Submit to God. Surrender to the Lord. It's not all about binding the devil. It's about first submitting to God. Turning back to the Lord. Amen? Well, Isaac is not going to one-up me. i got a C.S. Lewis myself. (laughs) C.S. Lewis said these words. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. It's either real or it's not real. It's either true or it's a lie. People say everything in moderation. Not the Lord. Not your walk with the Lord. We're either on fire for God or we're cold. And even Jesus said, even if you find yourself in lukewarm and you want to give yourself a little grace for being in that, Jesus said, I vomit that out of my mouth. I hope this is going out over the airwaves okay. I just realized people might be out there watching me. You can't be moderate in this thing. Jesus is taking our temperature. He said, I would, you, I would that you'd be hot. Amen. So what if our temperature is low today? What if we're in the lukewarm area? This is only this is between you and Lord. I, I hope this doesn't feel condemning. But I, I do hope that in some way maybe it awakens our spirit. To not be lulled into a sleep. What if we do find our place at the Ourself in that place, lower temperature. But we need to raise it. We need to raise our temperature. This is what I want to talk about. How do we how do we keep our temperature high when we're surrounded by the cooling influences of the world with around us? On the one hand, it's a matter of recognizing the fact that you do have a low temperature. You need to recognize that. That's why we take the temperature, right? Physically, we take it. See where it's at. Is it too high? Is it just right? Whatever. So spiritually, if we recognize it, if we can see it, if we come to Jesus and Jesus is taking our temperature and he says, you're not hot. You're not cold. You are lukewarm. 
It's Jesus talking. Amen? What do we do? We got to recognize it. We got to acknowledge that fact. Then we need to make a choice that we're going to do whatever we can do or avail ourselves to however we can to see that rise again in our life. And here's what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. He said, I want to remind you, Timothy, to stir up or literally to stir into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Here's what Paul said to Timothy. Timothy, you got the gift You've got the presence and the power of the Spirit of God in your life, but you're letting that fire die. And you, Timothy, you need to stir it up. Stir into flame the gift that is in you. He didn't say, stir yourself up and get that gift back. The gift is there. Hallelujah. Come on, that's good news. All of the resource lies within you, but the fire is dying. And he said, stir it up. Amen. Stir it up. And then here's another verse of Scripture I want us to look at. In, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Paul says, do not quench the Spirit. Say that with me. Do not quench the Spirit. And again, literally, the Greek word literally could mean, do not put out the Spirit's fire. There is a fire, there is a fervency, there is a, there is a, there is a, 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 a fire on the inside of you that it, it will burn if you will allow it, if you will, if you will facilitate for it, or you can quench it. Amen. I hope this doesn't come across mean-spirited. I'm, that's the last time I'm apologizing. We need to raise our spiritual temperature. Well, let me, let me talk about some, I got four ideas that will help us to, to stir up this fire, this fervency, and help us, I think, to not quench the fire. And the first one is this. We just need to get back to our first love. If I've lost my passion, If I've lost my passion, I need to get back to my first love. Where does my passion come from? By being with my first love. Jesus didn't save you to become a Christian. He saved you to become His. Christian is what we call ourselves who I am is I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. And when I lose my relationship or I neglect my relationship with the Lord, I've lost my first love. And I need to get back to my first love. One of, my, one of the things that really, uh, a few years ago I saw this, I had never seen this before, but I think, Sherry, if you bring up Ephesians chapter 6, verse 24, I want you to see something. Paul is writing, and he says, this is the last verse of the book of Ephesians. Look at what Paul says. He says, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, literally without hypocrisy. I mean, your love is real. Your love is genuine, right? That's what that means. You have a real love for Jesus. It's all about Jesus. In whatever you do, it's all about Jesus. Because let me tell you something. If in anything you do anything for the Lord and it isn't all about Jesus, it's no good. It's got to all be about Jesus, everything you do. Right? That's how he ended the book of Ephesians. 25 years later, Jesus wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus. And here's what he said in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. I think, hopefully it's up there. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Did you see that? Paul, 25, 30 years before this letter, said one last word. Don't lose your first love. 
Jesus writes a letter later to the same church. You've lost your first love. It can happen. We've got to get back to our first love. We've got to get back to our first love. We've got to make it all about Jesus and love Him. Love the Lord. Make sure that He is the center of your life. The pinnacle of your life every day. Spending time with the Lord. Walking with the Lord. Amen? The second thing that I would say that we need to do in order to stir the flame is we need to get rid of all pet sins in our life. You know what a pet sin is, don't you? A pet sin are those attitudes or actions that you keep around that grow on you and that you put up with even though they poop on the carpet. That's a pet sin. It makes a mess. It's no fun. But you've grown accustomed to it, you know? It's that pet sin that just hops up on your lap. And you kind of cuddle with it. You live with it. Pet sin is, pet sins are things that we defend. Somebody comes and challenge you, challenges you about something, you'll defend it. Well, it's just the way I am, or God hasn't revealed that to me, or, you know, and, and, and no matter what you say, or no matter what you may show them, they're defensive. They think it's okay because it's worked out in their life, but it's, but it's a pet sin, and and, and another thing about a pet sin is not only something that we defend, but it's, it also has a lot of power over us. Because we're not dealing with it, it deals with us. And because we're not taking control of the situation, because the Bible says that God has given us the mind of Christ and we have a sound mind, we can dominate these things and we can get the victory over these things because we allow it and we treat it like a pet sin in our life, it rules us. A pet sin also is something we don't really want to give up. I don't want to give it up. That's really what it boils down to. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.34. He says to the Christians there, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Do not sin. For some have the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. In other words, you know better. You know better. Come on. Smile at me out there. We're okay. We're just talking. You have the knowledge of God. You have the Word of God. You have... A relationship with the Lord. And if you have a relationship with the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is talking, unless you're suppressing. And He can still talk, but He is gentle. Amen. He can be quenched. He can be quenched. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You have a knowledge of God. It says, so stop sinning. Stop doing that. Amen. Well, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's really hard to live with passion and to be on fire with the Lord. When you've got these things in your life and you know they really ought not to be there. And you found a way to live with it like a pet. See, for me to have a pet, I would just have to find a way to live with it. I'm free. I don't have any pets. But I've had, I've had some pet sins. And they're messy. Amen. 
See, David understood this in his life. And he understood the way it made him feel. And in Psalms 32, and you, you guys, we all know the story. This is amazing. Every time I read through the Bible every year and I go through the life of David, I was talking with this with Daniel and, and Isaac the other day. I never cease to be amazed at the wonder of his life, but also kind of the wretchedness. Come on, has anybody ever read the Bible of David? I mean, look at the guy. Look at, I mean, look at the things that he did. He didn't even go to jail for what he did. We would be appalled in today's culture to see or hear of somebody that behaved that way and they never really paid for it. But he lived, he committed adultery, then he covered the adultery up with a murder, and he, and he sat on it for a year. But you know, later when he was finally confronted by the Lord because God, I don't know, man, I don't get God sometimes. But I'm sure glad that he's gracious. Amen? Come on, I'm sure glad he's been merciful. And then, so David wrote a psalm after God confronted him. It's, it's in uh, Psalms 32, and he said, he basically, I don't have it up on the screen for you, but basically he said, when I kept silent, when I tried to hide my junk, when I tried to bury it, when I tried to suppress it, he said, my bones wasted it was killing me on the inside. I wasn't, there was no joy in my life. There was no fire in my belly. I was the king. I didn't lose my position. I didn't lose my power. But I was dying on the inside. And he went on and he said things like, I was groaning in my spirit and your hand was heavy. Let me tell you, when the, when the hand of God gets heavy, you know it. Amen. And he said, my strength was sapped. But then he said, but when I acknowledged my sin, when I came clean with it, when I dealt with it, when I wasn't going to live with this thing anymore, when I acknowledged my sin, you forgave. Listen, you forgave my guilt. Hallelujah. And I'm just saying all of that to say, God doesn't want us to live under shame and guilt. And I think that we are free from shame and being shamed. And even when I fall short, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But if I'm living with something that I know that I need to get out of my life, I want God to deliver me from my shame. I don't want to be in shame, but I also got to stop doing what is promoting that. Right? So what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15, 34? Come back to your senses as you ought. Awake to righteousness. Wake up. Stop sinning. Amen. Then the third thing we need to do to get our temperature raised is get over all relational hang-ups. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12? He said, because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. Jesus taught us that you can get cold in your love and there's nothing that can put out our flame faster than carrying grudges, resentments, being angry, being unforgiving, being filled with bitterness over what people are doing. And if you carry this stuff around, this relational hang-up that you're carrying in your life because of something someone did or didn't do, that is going to rob us of the fire in our belly. It's going to rob us of that. It's going to take that away from us. And we need to get over these. As Kathy Johnson says, Crimea River, build a bridge and get over it. That's what, that's what she used to say. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, Above all things, read this with me. 
above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. That there, my friends, is in the Bible. Above all, have fervent love, burning love, fiery love, boiling hot love for one another. Because this is what covers the multitude of sins. In other words, it doesn't sit around and bicker over someone's offenses and how they hurt you and you're going to kind of keep a black book list of it and and just kind of bring it up. No, it covers it. In other words, it just ignores it. It goes on with it. You have to deal with some things, but you don't keep a record of it. Amen. You let it go. And then there are just some things. Listen, there's just some things people do that are just dumb. Just let it go. Do you think you got to talk about everything? Come on. Let it go. Now, I, I understand there are some things, some issues, some crisis, some relational, you know, kind of wrecks that happen where we need to sit out and talk it out and work it out and pray it out. But we can't allow ourselves to just, just, you know, let this resentment get on the inside of us and then we're all, you know, no wonder we're not fired up. No wonder we don't want to show up. No wonder we don't want to be a part. Because we're carrying this baggage in our soul and in our spirit of unforgiveness and resentment and holding on to a grudge. Just talking about how to stir up the flame. Get back to your first love. Get rid of those pet sins. Get over all relational hang-ups. And then the final thing is we need to get on with our purpose. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, this is the verse we read, he said, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Serve the Lord. The last thing you need to do when you don't feel like you have the fire is to pull away and isolate. The first thing we need to do is fire up. Come on and serve the Lord. We need to get on with our purpose. See, circumstances in life can drain us of our passion in serving the Lord and doing His will. COVID-19 crisis can really interrupt your flow. And prolonged trouble and impatience and embracing disappointment can rob us of the desire to live on in the purpose of God for our life. One of the things that's been happening to me lately is I've been grappling with this sense of no vision. I've just been like, I, and I know vision, I know vision isn't all about buildings and all of that, but I walk around here and I, on the one hand, I'm like, I'm so grateful for what the Lord has done the last 20 something years. And it's, it's amazing to me that he could do what he did through people like you and me working together over these many years and praying together and serving together and giving together and I and I and I'm amazed and yet I look around and I'm still like I I still find myself sometimes like well, what's next does anybody know my my pain like where where from here Lord I feel like now I'm 57 years old I'm getting really old and I've got 10 years left before retirement not not before I die. <laughs> and I've really been grappling with my decision, and I, get, I whine about it all the time. I went to Julie one day and I said, I don't have any vision. I don't have any vision. And she said, well, you know, you can't, I mean, it's, life isn't always about mountaintop vision, you know. Sometimes you just got to go out and mow the lawn. You got to go fix that window. I need a vision. 
I was sharing that with Daniel this past week as well. And he was asking me, how am I doing? Daniel has a way he'll sit down and say, how you doing? How you doing? And I said, man, I just don't feel like I have a vision. And for me, it's hard to just go through the motions. I'm not a very good maintainer. I don't think. I don't feel that I am. I need a mountain to conquer. I need something to build, right? And I and he's like, well, and he, and he kind of said the same thing that Julie said in a different way. He just said, I don't think it's really a vision problem. He said, I think it's a purpose. What what is what is my purpose right here today? What is the purpose of what God wants me to do right now? Visions come. You know, new, you know, vision will happen here and there in your life, but you have a purpose. Don't be sidelined by the lack of activity that's happening right now because we're all in shutdown. Imagine the Apostle Paul getting a vision, a heavenly vision of Jesus saying, you're going to go into the farthest reaches of the world and you're going to bring my gospel to people, Gentile people, uh, reprobates, people that are, that are filthy with sin. You're going to go into the farthest reaches and no sooner does he get out there than they lock him down in prison and he sits in prison for two years. He had a vision of going to the farthest away continents and then the next thing, he's been forced into lockdown. What do you do? You stay with your purpose. He just dealt with those chained up soldiers because they thought they were chaining him up, but really God was chaining them up to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, anyway, this past week, there was a couple of verses of Scripture that the Lord really inspired into my heart that I just want to bring with you, bring to you. One of one, let me give you one that's not going to be up on the screen. The first one that really the Lord dealt with me about, these are in my devotional times, was in the, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus said to his disciples, now, guys, there's going to come a time when you're going to go someplace, and they're not going to receive you. And you're just going to have to brush the dust off your feet and go on. And I felt like the Lord really hit me there. And it wasn't that I was not being received, but that I just needed to brush the dust off my feet on this and just move on. Right? Then, the next day, this verse of Scripture came to me. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. And this is the Lord talking to Samuel. And the Lord says to Samuel, how long are you going to sit around and mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. How long are you going to sit around and whimper and whine about what didn't work? Fill your horn with oil. That's your purpose. And get going. Do what I've anointed you to do. Be who I've anointed you to be. Don't sit around here and whine about how awful things happen. I know you invested all of yourself into Saul. I know you prayed for him. I know you tried to correct him. And, but he didn't. Listen, it didn't work out. Move on. Come on out there. Stop sitting around and crying about it. Get your horn full of the oil of the Holy Spirit and get going. And fulfill your purpose. Amen. And then Jesus said in John 18, 37. Jesus said these words. Do I have that scripture up there? Then Pilate said to him, so are you the king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am the king for this purpose. Everybody say for this purpose. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world. Listen, just as Jesus had a purpose, you and I have a purpose in Christ. And if you want to keep the fire going, just get on with your purpose. Get on with your purpose. Whatever that is, whatever God's called you to, get on with your purpose. 
do what's in your heart that God put in your heart to do. Let's stand together. If you want a fire in your belly again, if you feel like you're in that lukewarm or maybe even a cold place, you can feel the cool down happening. What we need today is we need an infusion of the fire from heaven, just like on the day of Pentecost. And I believe that God can send his fire again. I believe that. Don't you believe that? And so let's just pray right now. Would you just open up your hands with me toward the Lord and let's just receive right now. Lord God, we just pray that a holy fire would fall right now upon each and every one of us, God. God, that your fire would get into us and set upon our head and get into our heart, Lord, and become a part of our hands' activities, God. Lord, that in this time that where we feel like, like we don't have a hope or a future or maybe we feel like we're out of it and we're just kind of discouraged with the way things have been going in the earth and in the world and in our lives, God, what we really need is not to be, become more active just for activity's sake. We need a fire from heaven, God, to come upon us. We need fire in our belly, Lord. We need to see again and to feel again and to hear your voice clearly again. And Jesus, I pray that each and every one of us would return to you as our first love. God, that we would make it all about you in everything we do, every day that we live. Lord, Jesus, I pray that we would get back to you, our first love. God, if there are things in our lives, things that we're putting up with, God, that we know that are contrary to your word and your will for our life, help us, God, not to suppress it, put up with it, live with it. God, let us kick it out of our lives. Get rid of it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray, God, for love to come over our spirit. Fill us. God, give us a fresh baptism of love. Come on, say that to the Lord even out loud. Just say, Lord, baptize me in your love. Immerse me in your love. Immerse me in your love. God, give me a love. For those around me. Give me a love for those who have hurt me. Give me a love, Lord. And Lord, help us to step into our purpose today. Do what we know you've called us to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Have a great day.